My dream is that Crossroads will be the place where thousands of outsiders will be invited to experience a changed life. What would happen if all of us were all in? Well, good morning, Crossroads. Who's ready to dive in? Week two of our All In series. I tell you, I'm excited to keep diving in because the reality is I think that we are at a crossroads in the life of our church and that in this moment, if we can all decide to take that next step and just go all in, you guys, what God has in store for us, I cannot wait to see. Because the question really is, what would happen if all of us were all in? What difference would that make in our community? What difference would that make for eternity? And as we walk through this process together, I invite you to lean into it. Everybody should have received a booklet already. If you haven't received one of these yet, make sure you grab one on your way out today. Because this gives you the opportunity during this journey to take sermon notes, to have your connect group information, to have your daily Bible reading information. It gives you a chance to look through the vision that we have for this church and where we're going. Because the reality is, I believe this, there's this scripture in Colossians that says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived the things that God has in store for those who love him. And when we talk about loving Jesus, what that means is I am obeying Jesus. When he says, follow me, I obey. When he says, trust me, I obey. And the reality is when we step out in faith, when we decide to go all in, I think God is going to do things that we could never imagine on our own. And this all culminates on Sunday, October 10th. The response moment is going to be us taking a step of faith, leading the way in generosity, and just making a commitment. What does that look like to take a next step in our generosity? What step is God calling me to take? So circle it on your calendar because, listen, I know it. Everybody gets nervous when the pastor talks about money. I get it. This is going to be an extraordinary day, I believe, in the life of our church as we all decide we are all going all in. So guys, get excited because we got some good days ahead of us, all right? It's right around the corner. Now, we're diving into week two of this series today, and this is really important because we're talking about what it means to trust Jesus, like to truly trust him. Last week we talked about the significance of following Jesus and the tragic story of the rich young man. This is a guy who came to Jesus and he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? I mean, he asked Jesus the right question. He's talking to the right person. And the response that Jesus had was, well, have you kept the commandments? And he starts listing all these things off, like, I have done all of these things. Check, check, check. He was doing pretty good. And it gets to this place where Jesus says to him, listen, I love you. There's a genuine moment of love here. And Jesus says to him, one thing you need to do, my friend, would you sell your possessions? Would you give it to the poor? Would you store yourself up some treasure in heaven? And then would you follow me? An unbelievable invitation for this guy to have a front row seat to everything that Jesus was going to do. And the tragic ending is that he's on the cusp of something unbelievable that could have changed the course of history. And he walked away hanging his head in shame because he wasn't willing to completely give up what he was holding on to. He wasn't ready 
to follow Jesus, to give him everything he had. And so I don't want that to be us, you guys. I don't want to miss out on what God has in store for us. I want us to all take that step and follow Jesus. And I think the next step in this progression, as we walk through this idea for the next five weeks, this next step that we really need to lean in today is this concept of truly trusting Jesus and asking myself, what is it that God is asking me to trust him with? Uh, think about it. Uh, when we talk about money specifically, let me ask this question. Why is it so difficult to trust God with our money? Can we just have an honest conversation, right? Like, I get it. Again, you're nervous. Pastor Tim's talking about money again. Oh, I'm, listen, I'm a little nervous too. I don't like talking about money very much either, but it's too important to not talk about because at the end of the day, God doesn't care about your money, not a single bit. He cares about your heart, and that's why it's so important that we choose to follow him, that we choose to trust him, especially with our finances. And so think about it. Why is it so difficult to trust God with our money? What is it about that? Think about it. We trust God with our health. Uh, we trust God with all of the things that we have in life that we give to him in prayer. Think about this moment. Uh, we have baby dedications here at Crossroads, beautiful moments where God gives us this extraordinary gift. He entrusts an eternal soul to our care, right? And what do we do? We come forward, you know, like in the first few months, we show our beautiful babies all dressed up and ready to go. And what do we do? We say, God, you have entrusted us with this extraordinary gift, this precious life. And God, we're, we're trusting this gift to you. We, we dedicate, we surrender our gift, this precious life to you. We trust God with our kids, but then he says, how about my money? And we're like, no, 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 none of that, none of that. <laughs> Think about that, right? Like, wow, that doesn't quite make sense. So why do we fight it? Why do we have such a struggle really, truly trusting God with our finances? Why is that such a difficult thing to let go? And I just want to talk about that today, what it means to trust God truly with our finances. And so Jesus talks about this in Matthew chapter 6, and it's a really important concept. Again, God cares about your heart. And I want you to lean into that today as we dive into this, this concept in Matthew chapter 6. This is the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever told. It's right in the heart of it. And this is what Jesus says. He says, don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. I mean, that's the thing you have to circle. You can't miss that. What Jesus is saying here is where your treasure is, what is truly the most important thing to you, that's where your heart is going to be, and that's what you have to guard. Because God doesn't care about your money. He cares about your heart. And we've got to recognize the significance of what Jesus is saying here. He's saying don't spend all of your energy, don't spend all of this time that you have on planet earth storing up treasures that are temporary, that are here and now, that moths are going to eat. I, you know, I got to be honest, I don't know that moths are that big of a problem in our day and age. I, maybe they are, and it's just not a problem in our closet. I don't know. Uh, maybe moths are a thing. I don't really relate to that, but I tell you what, when he says where rust eats it up and destroys it, where thieves break in and steal, I can relate to that. I mean, for real, my, my first, you know, attempt at adulting, when I turned 16 and 17, I got the job at Martin Supermarkets. It changed my life because that's where I met my wife, the woman of my dreams, in the dairy department of Martin Supermarket. 
Uh, this was that moment in life where I'm working, you know, every hour I can at, you know, $5.25 an hour uh, to, to buy a car. Why? Because that, you know, it's the symbol of freedom, you know. And when I get this beautiful car, my 1984 hatchback Nissan Sentra that I bought for $960, and you're going, man, cars were cheap back then. No, it was just a really terrible car. Um, I saved up, I scrimped and scrounged, I got every dollar I could to buy that, and then what happens? Well, it's, it's rusting out. It's a terrible car. So I, I remember getting the sandpaper, sanding off the rust spots, getting like the Bondo, putting it all up, and then painting over that with, you know, a shade of blue that's close to the blue of my car, but not really. So it, it looks spotted. You know how that is. Anybody remember those days? And, and then you realize, okay, so the rust is already destroying my treasure here on earth. And then I was of the day and age, you know, my junior, senior year of high school, my college years, if you were making it big, if you were going to impress people, you had a big old booming sound system in your car. I don't know if anybody resonates with that, but I would work all those extra hours to buy the nice CD player because we had CDs back in those days. Detachable face, you wanted that. That was important. And then uh, you'd have the subwoofers, the, the speakers in the back of the car. Oh, man, it was awesome until... Someone broke into my car and stole all that stuff, right? So it's like all this stuff I'm working for, it's rusting out, it's getting stolen. Then I wrecked the car. It was all for nothing. So I can resonate with what Jesus is saying there. And he's saying very specifically, make sure that you don't spend all of your focus, all of your energy, all of your time building up for yourself just this temporary earthly treasure because it's, it's going to be destroyed. It, you cannot take it with you. And he's saying very specifically, we have to focus on storing up treasure that has eternal value, treasure in heaven. And he's circling this, right? He's saying you've got to be careful to make sure this is a focus of your life because where your treasure is, what you value, that's going to be where your heart goes. He cares about your heart. He wants you to follow him. He wants you to trust him. And I want to challenge you today just to, to think about that. You know, what does that look like in your life? What treasure are you storing up? What is God asking you to trust him with? Would you just think about that today as we unpack this? Because, man, it's, it's difficult. When we're talking about money, it, <laughs> the, the issue really isn't money. It, it really is fear, right? Because we tend to find our security in our money. Our financial security is important to us. And the problem, the trick, the trap that we fall into is that we're trying to find all of our security, all of our fulfillment, all of our purpose in the things of this earth and our money rather than truly trying to find that from God. And God cares about your heart so much more than any of this stuff in our life. And the problem is when we fall into that trap, we let our money control us. And so either you're, you're going to control your money, you know, and surrender it to God, or, or your money is going to control you. And God cares about your heart. He cares about your heart. He's asking you to follow him. He's asking you to trust him. And I've got to be honest with you, because time and time and time again, I've been doing this pastor thing for about 20 years now, and it's an amazing ride. I get to see so many people's stories behind the scenes. And honestly, I mean, that's what encourages me in my walk with God. That's what keeps me doing what I do. I get to celebrate all of these moments that, that people celebrate where they have had a sacred encounter with God and he has changed them. He has proven himself faithful. And it, when, it, when it comes to giving, when it comes to leading the way in generosity, I have lost track of how many times people have said, 
God was challenging me to lead away in the generosity. I was nervous because I just didn't feel like I had enough. I stepped out in faith and started this practice of giving, and God was faithful. He showed up in an amazing way. Pastor, you would not believe how God showed up. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much everybody's story. I mean, God is faithful. You can trust him. And one of those stories that has been shared here in our church family is a story of Scott and Patsy Peeler. And I wanted you to hear their story because it's a simple story. It's a story that any one of us could tell, but it's a story of God's faithfulness. And I want you to hear this story and be encouraged by what God has done in their life. Listen to what they have to say. Hi, my name is Scott, and my wife Patsy and I have been coming to Crossroads about 20 years. We had just moved into the Dunlap area, and we decided we wanted to find a church. And we came to Crossroads. Well, the people were very welcoming. It, it just felt at home. And uh, I said to my wife, I said, I think we found our church. Right after we started coming to Crossroads, I had a real defining moment that happened to me that has changed my entire life. I was going to pay my bills that day. I was supposed to get paid on the 15th of the month. I very seldom got paid on the 15th of the month. The check usually was about a week late. So I'm paying my bills, and the first thing I did was I wrote a check for my tithe, our tithe and I sat it up on the table, and I went ahead and I paid all the other bills that I had to pay. And when I got done, I looked at my checkbook, and when I figured out how much money we had left, we had $33 and change left in the checkbook, and I wasn't gonna get paid for at least two weeks, maybe three. So I looked at the checkbook again, and I looked at the tithe, and this booming voice said to me, don't worry, Scott, I'll take care of you. I picked up the check, I put it in the envelope, and I brought it to church the next day. About two weeks later, we got several hundred dollars that I wasn't expecting to get. Because of that experience, I have learned that God is faithful, and He's always with you, and you can trust Him. What excites me about Crossroads is that we're trying to reach people. We're not really about brick and mortar. We're just trying to, to expand the church, and the church is people. And I get excited about all the kids I see in this church, because I have to tell you, I have learned that children bring their parents to church, not the other way around. The kids love it here, and they bring their parents. And we have the, the new church down in St. Pete, I'm just anxious to see where we're going to go from here uh, in the growth of Crossroads Community Church. How cool of a story is that? It's something that's so simple but so profound. Scott made a decision just to trust that God would be faithful. He didn't know how that was going to turn out. And, and then God was faithful. And it's that simple act of following Jesus. It's that simple act of trusting that he is faithful that ended up becoming a defining moment in his relationship with God. That's something that changed the trajectory of his life, his relationship with Jesus. And honestly, you guys, that's what I want for each and every one of us. That's what I want for you as we go through this series, I want you to experience a defining moment in your life 
that will revolutionize your relationship with Jesus. And I ask this question again. I'm going to ask this throughout our series here. What would happen if all of us were all in? When we think about this idea that, you know, on October 10th, we're going to have this commitment Sunday where we just take this next step of generosity. What would that defining moment look like for you? If Jesus is calling you to take a next step in your generosity and you respond to that call, what kind of a moment does that create in your life? How does God change your heart? How do you see him move in ways that you never would have dreamed possible? I, I want you to experience that. Because at the end of the day, God doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. And I've been able to witness that in my own life. I've been able to see that in the lives of so many other people who've taken this next step of generosity and decided to follow Jesus. They've decided to put their trust in him. And every single time that reality is true, God does not want something from you. He wants something for you. And when you step out in faith and say, God, I'm going to trust you, that's when he does extraordinary things. Uh, I want to have some fun with you. I want to change this up for just a second. So I'm inviting a volunteer to come forward this morning. He's a good friend of mine. Would you please welcome Mark Davis to the stage this morning? He's going to come up and help us learn something here. And I'm excited to have this moment with him. As he's coming up on the stage, I want to read this verse because in Matthew 6, Jesus continues on after he says, hey, Guard your heart. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus says this, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Man, it's an incredible warning to make sure you're focusing on the right thing. So let's invite Mark Davis out of the stage. Give him another warm welcome. He deserves it. Mark, I'm so glad you're on the stage here with me. I know you're nervous. I know you don't really like being up here. You're going to be fine. I promise you're going to be fine. So here's the thing. You have a chance today, Mark, to win $5. And this is $5 personally from me. I just want you to know that. Um, so if you take this, you're taking this from me. I'm just kidding. There's no pressure. There's no pressure. But I want you to walk away with this $5, all right? You deserve it. You're an Alabama fan. There's not much else in your life going on for you. So, and, and I fully recognize that you don't have a microphone right now, but I do, so I can just keep talking. Mark is also, by the way, representing tribes here with his T-shirt. That is our student ministry that is rocking and rolling. If you are a student, 6th grade to 12th grade, you should definitely check out tribes. How about that, Mark? Do you feel good about that? Yes. That's good. All right. I'm glad we're on the same page. Now, would you like to win this $5? Yes. All right. All you have to do is follow the cup. It's the game. It's the cup game. You guys know what we're talking about here? Please help Mark keep his eye on the cup because this is all about focus, all right? You win the five bucks, Mark, if you stay focused on the right cup. Help him. He's an Alabama fan, all right? Usually there's gaps in between teeth anyway. So. <laughs> My word. <laughs> okay, are you ready for this? Keep your eye on the cup. Don't. Okay, I think about... That's as good as I can do it. What do you think, Mark? Where do you think that that $5 lies? I mean, you can choose any cup. Be very careful. <laughs> okay, he's going this one. You think you made a good choice? Okay. Mark, you are so smart. You're walking away with my five bucks. Congratulations, my friend. <laughs> Mark Davis, ladies and gentlemen.
poor guy, he's an Alabama fan. <laughs> oh, look at this guy, just giving it all away. What a guy, what a guy. <sighs> Love that guy. <laughs> well, let's talk about this for a second, because you're like, Tim, that was a terrible game. <laughs> uh, think about what Jesus said there. If your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness, and if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. I mean, this is all a continuation of his talk about making sure you're storing for yourselves treasures in heaven. If you are focusing your life on the wrong things, but you think that you're focusing on the right things, and the, the light that you are focusing on is actually darkness, like I'm, I'm focusing on my life completely on what I think is the right thing, but it's actually darkness, Jesus is saying unequivocally, that is some pretty deep darkness. you got to shake yourself out of that. Because your heart is on the line. Your soul is on the line. And, and he goes on to say, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. And, and think about that. We, we focus. Uh, you guys, money, ugh, it traps our heart. And we get so focused on that cup, right? It had $5 in it. I mean, that's pretty cool, right? Like, Mark shows up at church today unsuspecting. He walks away with five bucks. What a great day at church. He's like, church was great today. So we get so focused, right? Like, move the cups around. Which one has the $5? And in life, let's just talk about life. We get distracted and we get focusing on these things that have temporary value that we think we can control and we just hold on to as much as we can. That's, that's going to be my $5. I am not going to lose sight of that $5 no matter what. No matter how crazy Tim is with the cups, I've got my five bucks. And we get so focused on our own reality and what we can control in our own small world that we forget that God has so much more in store for us. He's saying, guys, I've got other cups here. If you'd go my way, I got something in store for you. He's an Alabama fan. <laughs> We're so focused on our five bucks, right? Gah! <laughs> we miss out on what God wants to do in our lives. Can we, can we just think about that for a second? Man, he has so much that he wants to do. And I'm so glad that Mark didn't choose those cups. Because that is also my money. I would have been out <laughs> a lot more money. <laughs> but that's what God wants for you. I mean, can we just think about that for a second? I get so focused on my little kingdom. And all God's asking us to do is follow him. He's asking us to trust him. That everything he asks us to do might actually be for our benefit. That getting uncomfortable, stepping out of my comfort zone might actually be an opportunity to grow. That stepping out of my comfort zone might allow me the chance to see God do something that would previously have been impossible. What would it look like if all of us were all in? What, what could God do in our community? 
How could that ripple through eternity? Would you just think about what it is that God is asking you to trust him with? Because I believe it, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived what God has in store for us, but we hold back. And man, this concept of, of money, uh, in, in the older translations of the Bible, um, it, it used to say, if you used to read the King James Version, if anybody knows what that is, uh, it used to say, you cannot serve God and be enslaved to mammon. That was the word that was used instead of money. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to mammon. And Mammon, it denotes something a little bit more intense than just the word money. Mammon is, is the spirit that deceives us regarding what money can deliver. Would you just think about that for a second? Mammon is the spirit that deceives us regarding what money can deliver. And so while God is saying, hey, will you trust me? If I'm saying live generously, bring me your first fruits and see if, if I don't just pour out the floodgates of heaven on you and that you'll be walking in my blessing and favor, experiencing life to the fullest. Try me. Mammon is the exact opposite. Mammon is that spirit of money that says you can trust your money. And it never, ever, ever delivers. Because mammon, this, this spirit of mammon, money, it's promising us the things that only God can really give us. I mean, just stop and consider that. What, what are some promises that money makes that it cannot deliver? I mean, you think about happiness, security, fulfillment, like freedom, friendship. Money promises all these things, but it never really delivers. I think about the idea of money these days. Everybody wants the experience, right? Like, I want to buy an experience, and that's great. Even your experiences are often far less great than you thought they would be. I remember a few years back, uh, I went to a White Sox game with some friends. You may know them, Keith Pidzinski and Remington Anksaurus. Let's give a shout out to Keith and to Remington today. Uh, we went to this White Sox game, and uh, we were so excited. I was excited not because I'm a White Sox fan, but because I'm a Red Sox fan, and they were playing the Red Sox. And outside of the stadium, there was a guy selling tickets. He was selling us these tickets with uh, seats just behind the visitor dugout. And I'm going, are you kidding me? I could sit right behind this, this dugout and cheer for my guys. I'm like, yes, how much do you want for those tickets? 40 bucks. I'm going, that is a spectacular deal. Guys, let's do it. So we paid the man. We got our tickets, and it was about 30 seconds after we bought them that Keith, who's the most observant one of the group, says, guys, I think we might have bought fake tickets. And I'm going, what? No, stop it. That's not true. Why would you even think that? And he says, because the guy that just sold them to us almost got hit by a car running away from us. <laughs> oh, yeah, Boston's misspelled. <laughs> we, <laughs> we took them to the ticket bar, the box office. They're like, yep, those are fake tickets. And they took, they confiscated immediately Remington's and Keith's. I put mine in my pocket. I was like, I'm going to sell that to someone else. Let's see what happens. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I didn't do that. So we went from this amazing experience that I thought I was going to get to having to buy the cheapest tickets because we were out of money. And the worst seats in the house were actually what we ended up with. And you'd think, oh, you're on like the top row. No, we were on the second to top row. And then behind us in the top row was the most annoying family in the world. <laughs> True story. Money promises things that only God can deliver. 
We've got to break free from that, that spirit of mammon. And, and until we do, it's going to have a stronghold in our heart that's going to trap us every single time. Man, Jesus is asking us to follow him. He's asking us to trust him. And why? Because he cares about your heart. I'm going to say this again. He doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you. We're so focused on our little kingdom, and he has so much in store for us. We've just got to trust him. And, and let me be clear. When I say he wants us to trust him, and that he has so much in store for us. What I'm not saying is that he's going to bless you with finances and you start surrendering your generosity to Jesus, you get the, you win a car, you win a house. It's, it, that's not how it works. You're not on Oprah all of a sudden, all right? <laughs> what I am saying is that you begin to see God do things you never would have seen otherwise. You get to be a part of what he is doing. You are walking in his blessing and in his favor. You are living life to the fullest. And the lie is that we live life to the fullest by holding on to what we can hold on to, controlling what we can control. Man, living generously, it unlocks the door to all of the blessing and favor of God in our lives. We've got to trust him. That, that we, when we follow his advice for our life, follow his direction, that it is for our benefit. I just want you to think about that. So, so how do we break free from the spirit of mammon? Three things. We're going to bring this home. Number one, we've got to put God first. And that includes putting God first with our finances. Think about what it goes on to say in Matthew chapter 6. Jesus talks about, man, it is so, impart, it's so important here. You can't serve two masters. You've you got to remember where your heart is or where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. You can't serve two masters. And he finishes this whole passage by saying in verses 31 through 33, so don't worry about these things. Saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. It, it's God first. God, what are you calling me to do? How are you calling me to follow you? How are you calling me to trust you? It's God first. Live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. I don't have to worry about this stuff because God is faithful. When I put him first, he's going to supply my needs. He's faithful. Those are the defining moments in your life when I say, God, I trust you. He shows up. He's faithful. And suddenly you realize you're part of something extraordinary that you never would have been able to experience without that moment of surrender, without that willingness to be generous. I think the second thing we've got to do is be willing to grow in the grace of giving. And this is interesting because this really is just a response. It, it just matches this, this giving grace of God in our life. I mean, think about the most famous verse in the Bible, John 3.16, What's it say about God? It says he's a generous God. It says God so loved the world. He loved you so much that what? He gave. He gave his one and only son. So whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. He gave his one and only son. He led the way in generosity when we were still far from Jesus, when we were still his enemy. We were not friends. That's the giving grace that God has for each and every one of us. And so when we grow in the grace of giving ourselves, it's just a response to what God has already done for us. Paul acknowledged this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. This is a church that was leading the way in generosity, and Paul is encouraging them. He's challenging them to keep going, to keep getting stronger, because God is going to do extraordinary things through this church if you just continue to lead the way for others. And he says, since you excel in so many ways, he's encouraging these guys, 
in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. What a, a cool concept that is of being able to excel in giving. Like, that's something that God actually cares about. Do I excel in giving, in leading the way in generosity? I think it all plays in that idea of growing in the grace of giving. Man, i got to keep God first in my life. That's, that's about my heart. And growing in the grace of giving is just the response to the, the gift of grace that God has given me. That's what unlocks the door to God's blessing and favor in my life when I follow in that grace of giving. And I think the final thing is here, you've got to remember, it, you have to trust in God's promise. Because when it comes to our finances, what's very interesting is that this is something that God asks us to do as, as followers of Jesus, as those of us who have put our trust in God. He asks us to lead the way in generosity, to grow in this grace of giving. But it's, it's an ask from God that comes with a promise. I want you to consider what that means. In, in Malachi chapter 3, this is the last book of the Old Testament, God is kind of angry with his people. They've, they've lost focus. Their hearts have been divided. They're not really engaged in what God is doing. And he's upset with them. And this is a place where you really don't want to be on the angry side of God. You want to be doing what's right. You want to be walking in his blessing and favor. And so he says to his people, he says, should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? God says, you have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. That's an amazing statement from the God of heaven's armies, the creator of the universe, the one who loves your soul. He's saying, listen, you've been hesitant. You've not been bringing me what I've asked you to bring. Try it. Take that step. Put me to the test and see if I don't come through. See if I am not faithful. See if this doesn't become a defining moment in your life. Because God's saying unequivocally, hey, if you take this step of faith, I'm going to show up. Put me to the test. And we talked about this a little bit last week. We've got these signs up here. Maybe you've been sitting on the sidelines and you've been hesitant to, to dive into this grace of giving. And you need to take that first step of initial giving. You're like, man, Tim's, Tim's sermon was spot on today and he lost $5. So I'm going to give 5 bucks today. It was great. <laughs> Maybe that's your first step of giving. Man, take that next step. See how God is faithful. See what that does. Maybe you need to take that next step. You've been initial giving, you've been every sporadic, you know, and now you're saying, all right, it's this concept of regular giving. What does that look like to say, all right, every week I'm going to set it up, I'm going to give a certain amount of money and just put that online, and that's going to be a regular habit of giving that I put in my life. What, what a great next step of growing in the grace of giving that is. Then there's that idea of moving on to being an intentional giver. That's where you sit down, you look at your finances, and you start making goals. Like, yeah, I, I want to bring my first fruits to God. I want to lead the way with my tithes, and with my offerings, and this is going to be the amount that I'm designated, I'm, I'm making sure I give this back to God. What an amazing place to be. I believe that there's power in that. I just do. I've experienced that in my life. God shows up. He is faithful time and time and time again. And then there's that next step, that final step, that radical giver. 
That's the person who's focused on leaving a legacy of generosity. How cool is that? That's where you start to ask yourself, what do you want to be remembered for? And that's where you start asking the awkward questions, right, of who has more friends, the generous person or the greedy person, right? Who's going to have more people at their funeral, the generous person or the greedy? Whose grandkids like them better, the generous person or the greedy? And then you realize, oh, man, it's way better to have a legacy of generosity than it is to have a generosity or have a legacy of being greedy. It just makes sense. But we fight it, right, because we try to hold on to our little kingdoms. I just want to encourage you, put God first. Grow in the grace of giving. Trust in God's promise because at the end of the day, Remember, God doesn't want something from you. He wants something for you, and he cares very deeply about your heart. And so as we come to a close, I just want to challenge you. Jesus, he wants you to trust him. And I would just ask at this moment, if you would just bow your heads and close your eyes, would you just take a moment to talk to Jesus? Because right now he cares about your heart. And make no mistake, he loves you today with an extravagant love. With your heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to remind you that Jesus has paid a price that you could not pay. Jesus has given the ultimate sacrifice. He's paid the price so you could be set free, so that you could be forgiven. And I want to invite you in this moment to make sure that you've said yes to Jesus. Make sure that you've said yes to his forgiveness in your life and his freedom. Because, man, he loves you with an extravagant love and He has an amazing plan for your life. I just want to make sure that everyone here today has a chance to say yes to Jesus. If you've not said yes to Jesus, and right now you're realizing, God loves me. And there's nothing I can do about it. God's paid the price so that I could be forgiven, so I could be set free. I just encourage you to say right now where you're at, Jesus, you are Lord. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life and, and make me new. I just want to encourage you and challenge you that in this moment that you have been forgiven, you have been set free. And that's what Jesus wants for you. That's what he wants for every single one of us. And when it comes to our hearts, a lot of times we, we hold ourselves captive because we're not ready and, and quite willing to truly follow Jesus. We're not quite ready and willing to completely trust him. And so I invite you today, what is it that God's asking you to trust him with? What fears do you have that are holding you back? What would it look like if you went all in? Talk with Jesus. Make sure you're willing to put him first. Make sure you're willing to trust in his promises because he is faithful. And man, does he want something incredible for you. And you can experience it today if you just say yes, if you put your trust in him. God, you're good. We just thank you for the incredible love that you have for us. And we just ask God that you would give us the courage and the strength to, to follow you, to trust you, to be willing to step out in faith and God, I just ask that as we take these steps together, that we will just be able to celebrate unequivocally just you showing up, you proving yourself faithful, 
I can't wait to see all the stories, all the changed lives, all the celebrations that are going to happen because we are making this choice, God, to go all in. We are saying, God, we will follow you and we will trust you. So give us the strength, give us the courage, give us the hearts to chase after you with everything we've got. God, give us the strength to go all in. We love you. We praise you today. We pray this in your name. Amen.